If you have an interest in horses and love learning more about horses, the horse industry, teaching, or even managing your own horse business, then you're in the right place. We would love you to join us on our mission, which is to improve the lives of horses around the world through the education of riders, handlers, and trainers. So get comfortable, listen in, and enjoy. Today's chat's been brought to you by International Horse College. We have a mission to improve the welfare of horses throughout the world through the safe education of riders, handlers and trainers and that's what these chats are all about. Registered Training Organisation 31352. Our guest today is Antoinette Foster. Antoinette's one of Australia's most highly qualified equine nutritional therapists. She's also qualified medical herbalist and human nutritionist and author of the successful book Eat Like a Horse. Antoinette's been a practitioner for over 29 years and continued her training throughout this time. She's a passionate horse owner and rider and plans to return to the dressage arena once again after a very long break from competition, which has further hampered her shoulder by shoulder injury in uh, last April. And hopefully we'll see her back in the competition ring soon with her warm blood Friedenstahl which she calls coffee. Is that how you pronounce it, Antoinette? Friedenstahl? Yeah, Friedenstahl is correct. Yeah, yeah it's actually yeah. a German town. Okay. Antoinette, we normally start off with a favourite quote. What's the quote that you'd like to tell us about? Yeah, my favourite quote actually is that no act of kindness, no matter how small, is ever wasted. Okay. Yeah, I think it's very important. Well, I think it's a good one for horses, but it's a good one just for people too, isn't it? Yeah, I think so. I mean, mm-hmm. it's it sort of... I guess, encourages people to, uh, you know, perhaps be more communicative, but, you know, to maybe help others as well. And, yep. you know, it yep. is a, it's a very it's a very big community, the horse industry, no matter what discipline that you're in. So yep. Yep. I think it's very relevant to, uh, to both human and animal. Okay, okay. I'm going to ask you about what an equine nutritional therapist actually does in a minute. But first of all, can you tell me about, have you always been involved with horses? How did you start with them? My dad in particular was, was a horse rider and he even rode uh, horses. Oh, Kevin's above. I guess he started very young, to be honest. Uh, and I suppose really that he introduced me. But my mum also rode too. Mm-hmm. And I started riding when I was about five. So I didn't get a pony till I was 11. <laughs> but <laughs> yeah, so I, I have been around them for a long time. Okay. Okay. Now, do you have any sort of early memories of Having, you know, like with your father or, you know, with your first pony or... I can tell you it's probably not not the most pleasant of stories, but it does have a a funny aspect to it because my dad had the most uh, dry sense of humour and uh, this pony that I got when I was 11 was a little Shetland pony. Uh, I can't actually remember the pony's name, but it was a bit cheeky and I know on one occasion he wouldn't move and my dad basically said look you know I'll give him a bit of a push from behind because even though you're not supposed to do that he said but we'll do it he's only small he can't hurt anyone (laughs) so of course with that he kicked him fair and square in the head oh no (laughs) and whilst it wasn't you know that serious it did obviously cause a, a bit of a an injury which did require a few stitches so but in all of that he was still laughing but that was my dad he thought it was quite funny. Now, stitches for you or stitches for your pony? No, for him. No, no, for, oh. for my dad. Oh, well, that's, yeah, yeah, yeah. 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 I think that's... But, you know, um, there's a lesson there too, you know, don't ever get behind a horse to push it because it doesn't, no matter how small the horse is, it can actually still connect with you. Wow, wow. I can remember seeing a video, you know, you sort of scroll YouTube, see what's happening, and uh, there was a horse in a parade. Now, the horse was going along 
fantastically. It was in a parade, lots of noise around, lots of people. And someone out of the crowd ran up behind and did something, you know, did like a bit of a tiny little pretend kick. It was nothing to the horse, but of course the horse got a fright and double barreled him absolutely fair and square. You just thought, well, mate, you shouldn't have jumped out of the crowd. You should. There was a lot of things that he shouldn't have done. You know? <laughs> no, no, he should have stayed behind the barrier. <laughs> yes, yeah, yes, exactly. he have stayed behind the barrier. The barrier is there for yeah. a reason. Yeah, yeah. Exactly, yeah. it is there for a reason, yeah. Yep. My dad, yep. he didn't have a barrier, but anyway. <laughs> I don't think he ever stood behind a horse and pushed it again after that, so I suppose <laughs> okay. he learned his lesson. <laughs> okay. Now, yeah. you talked about your father. Was there anyone else who's inspired you that you'd like to talk about? Yeah, look, I mean, I have a try at dressage. <laughs> I, mm-hmm. I love dressage. I really love the, the classical dressage. I think in some ways it, it's probably got a little bit lost Yep. in translation maybe, but I just love Rainer Klimka. I yep. thought he was just amazing. I think the most wonderful performance that I ever recall was Rainer Klimka and Anna Greta Tornbold, actually was her name then, uh, riding Mark's song. I can't remember Rainer's horse but it was just parted to music and I just remember watching that thinking you know how amazing these horses were they were just you know just natural collection there Mm -hmm. was no literally like just the reins were loose and these horses just carried themselves beautifully and I think he is quite inspirational for a lot of people and I think I love the European way of riding you know more sort of towards that classical style that's what I really love and respect yeah yeah Okay, now that's good. Now, what about nutrition, though? You were interested in dressage, you know, say what got you interested in dressage, but what the main thing is, because you're here as an equine nutritionist or equine nutritional therapist, what got you interested in in nutrition and in nutritional therapy? Yeah, I probably became interested when I was maybe about 16, 17, still at school. Mm -hmm. I think I just realized that there was a real gap in, uh, I guess, the knowledge that people had with nutrition in horses. I actually was going to be a vet, um, but I I changed my mind <laughs> and I, I really wanted to sort of go into more complementary therapy. At that time, of course, there were no actual equine nutrition courses. They just didn't exist. Mm-hmm. So I started in human nutrition. So I did a diploma in nutrition just quite a while ago now. But I think with the human side under my belt, you know, it did allow me to really adapt and utilize that across into the equine world also. I think mm-hmm. that a lot of the courses available today, they're not really, there's not very many of them to start with, but they're not really detailed enough as far as equine's concerned. So, you know, starting in human nutrition, I think, was a, was a great start for me personally. Okay. And then, of course, from there, I could sort of grow. Yeah. Yeah, yeah. So you sort of start like someone might start off as a massage therapist, but they've got a horse background and the two come together and they complement. Yeah. Yes, definitely. Yeah, absolutely. Yeah, and yeah. I just think the knowledge for me too, you know, my, my main objective was I wanted to go down the road of individuality because I think that gets very much lost. So mm-hmm. that's sort of where I, I kind of shift a little bit in my studies, doing nutritional therapy, for example, certainly gives you more of an option there. So, but yeah, 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 yeah so that's yeah. sort of where I where I got that interest from, and obviously always passionate about horses as well. Yeah, yeah, yeah. So, thinking about your role as an equine nutritional therapist, tell us a bit about just um, the horse health and management. What's some things that we, as horse owners, horse people, need to know about that? Mm. Yeah, I mean, I think the most important aspect, I guess, of equine health and management is nutrition. 
in, in my opinion, but I, I think as far as anyone who's in this field would certainly agree with that. I think what's happened is that it's got a little bit lost along the way and I tend to find that we spend a lot of money, horse owners spend a lot of money on their horses initially. A lot of horses are very expensive to purchase. Then we have to buy saddles, bridles, we've got to buy rugs, boots, we might have to adjust the horse, whatever it might be. You know, that old saying about the most expensive part is not buying the horse. You know, that's the cheapest part. The rest is actually managing the horse over the time you have the horse. So I think there's a bit too much money spent in areas that don't actually go towards maintaining that health and well-being of the animal. So I believe that nutrition is the king of the mountain, so to speak. You know, I think that without, without that, we have nothing. But it's the same with human health as well. Being a human nutritionist too, you know, there's no difference between human or animal. That nutrition has such an effect on everything in the body. So I do feel that there needs to be more education in the area of nutrition. You know, we try, we're very big on educating. That's sort of always been our biggest drive with with Mm -hmm. my business. And I think that we need to sort of look more to educate people in how to feed their horses in the most, not just the most effective way, but also being a cost-effective way, it's quite surprising that mm. to feed the horse in the right way, it's actually very cost-effective too because, you know, feeding horses, it's not rocket science. It's really, really quite simple and basic. Mm, mm. Okay, okay. Have you got some basic rules, you know, like you, you think about the rules of feeding and, you know, they're very UK-based, UK-orientated. You know, we talk about eight rules of feeding that sort of get digested into 10 or 12 or depending on what book you read or who you, um, you know, who you listen to. But tell us some of the more, the most important rules that you think for people to take away. Yeah, I mean, I think the most important thing is to remember or remind ourselves that the key to a healthy digestive system is a high roughage diet. Mm-hmm. And I do find, look, I've uh, obviously we, we have a lot to do with international horses as well you know we um i do a lot of travel i've done a lot of seminars internationally etc and it's a worldwide phenomenon that the average horse is not fed enough roughage mm-hmm. so you know roughage by that i mean it can be in the form of chaff yes yep. but generally speaking you know, it's in the form of haze and pasture of course falls in that category a lot of people forget to include that you know in their feed regime because pasture whilst at the moment in lots of areas it's, it's very poor but grazing is so important for horses because, you know, they are herbivores, they're perpetual grazing animals. They really require uh, not just, I guess, the intake, but it's also related to the mental state of mind of the horse too, you know, so that the roughage becomes important in the form of pasture is, is vital. For those horses that don't have access to pasture, then we have to find a way to literally mimic that, so provide them plenty of hay to sort of bridge that gap, you know, where there isn't pasture. So, you know, roughage really is the most important part, I believe, of a horse's diet because Mm -hmm. it certainly will maintain a healthy digestive system. And of course, without that, we have all sorts of problems. So that would be my, my number one rule. Okay. Yeah. So that's, that's, it would be the most important part, I think. I think the most important thing is is to get the balance right. So we we know that horses need a really good level of roughage. We know that they need protein, they need energy, they also need vitamins and minerals, they need water, you know, they need fat. So we know they they need all of that. And it's just mm-hmm. about I always think if you're a bit confused about feeding that you always get professional advice because that's 
going to put you on the right track. And it's never a reflection on them as horse owners. You know, we don't expect everyone to be a nutritionist. And where people like myself and my staff, you know, we're here to help. You know, we're all practitioners here, so we're here to help people. Mm -hmm. And that's really, we try and sort of set them on the right path, you know. And I think once they understand that, it's also very easy for them to manage it too. Okay. Now, I'm going to read a quote from you, and it's one of my most favourite topics is the gut microbiome. This is such a massive impact on the horse's long-term health. The digestive system of the horse can be very sensitive. Can you tell us a bit more about that, how important it is? Yeah, for sure. The equine intestinal tract contains quite a complex microbial population, and that's actually called microbiota. And that plays a massive role in health and disease. So the microbiome, which is basically a collection of the microbiota, and it also is a collection of, in simple terms, good and bad bacteria contained in the gut. And it also appears that the microbiome, it can actually be altered quite intensely in certain disease states. So, for example, laminitis is one that can be a very severe disease we know. And we know it can also be set off sometimes by an increase in dietary starch, for example. So by the time that starch reaches the hindgut, Mm -hmm. it causes an enhancement of lactic acid bacteria and that lactate uh, buildup and acidification of the contents of the gut. So the, the gut microbiome, so you understand there's not a lot of studies in the equine world on the gut microbiome. There's a lot in the human health side, but even that, even in the studies in the human microbiome, is still quite in its early stage. You know, we we have discovered a certain amount of bacteria contained in the equine and human gut. Mm -hmm. We know that there's a direct connection between the gut microbiome and the gut-brain access. We know that the gut microbiome, and again, in simple terms, this is the digestive system and the digestive process we're talking about, has an impact also on skin health, on immune function. So we know, you know, in the human world that that's the case. Mm -hmm. And we would be a bit stupid to consider that that's not the case with horses, especially when we look at how sensitive, you know, the equine digestive system is. It's not a very practical sort of setup. You know, I often say whoever develops or designed the um, equine digestive system was probably on drugs because it's really, doesn't function very well if particularly the horses are being fed types of feed that are just not suited to the species and that is a very common thing that happens. Mm -hmm. So the gut microbiome really does control all of that and what we try to do is influence the health of the gut microbiome by providing a really good well-balanced diet and that's also where that high roughage diet plays a massive role because the higher the roughage diet of course the less lactic acid bacterial buildup that you have, you know, and that's a, a really significant factor too in managing the health of the gut microbiome. There's a lot more studies, you know, sort of coming. Uh, we as a company are looking, we, we start some clinical trials in a different area of the gut microbiome this year, but we are also looking at the gut microbiome and clinical studies on the list, hopefully towards the end of the year. Mm-hmm. We do currently do gut microbiome testing, so that's actually a DNA uh, sequencing technology, and we, we do that also through our company, and we can test any species. So, you know, I do humans as well as as horses and the occasional dog, yep. in fact. Yep. Yeah, so, yep. yeah, does that explain it? So, I mean, yeah, the, the gut yeah. microbiome really is essential for normal health and well-being and, and really 
the function of the equine intestinal system as a whole really is governed by like what sort of a balance there is in that microbiome at any given time. And mm. it's also very sensitive to diet change and, and gastrointestinal disease. Okay. So, you know, we know that, again, with a high roughage diet, we're also going to be reducing the risk of diseases like um, ulcers and colic and diarrhea. And we know very well that colic is the biggest killer of horses worldwide. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. All right. Now, talking about the difficulty because of getting the nutrition aspect right, but you talked about what type of things are fed to horses that don't agree with their digestive system. What sort of things shouldn't we be feeding that people may be unaware of? And, you know, everyone wants to do the right thing by their horse, but sometimes there are things being done that people just don't realise. I think so too. And again, you know, like I said before, it doesn't reflect on their ability as a horse person. It, it's not that at all. You know, I mean, they we all love our horses and we want to try and do the right thing by them. But uh, I think the the biggest concern is that the feed industry is actually not regulated, not not in Australia mm. anyway. And so that doesn't sort of bode well, I think, for for people also wanting to research more about what exactly is contained in a bag of premix or pelletized feed, for example. Also, there are a lot of byproducts used in the stock feed industry in general, and this includes things like a bran, um, pollard. Uh, it includes things like soybean hull, soybean meal, which is downgraded for stock feed purposes, copra meal, uh, beet pulp products. These are all really termed as byproducts because they're actually originally waste products which have been you know, utilised to use in certain types of feeds. And also what is used very commonly is whey powder. And I mean, we go back to what I said before about horses being, well, they're strict herbivores. Mm. To feed a horse a dairy byproduct is obviously not something that I would recommend as mm-hmm. a practitioner because they simply cannot digest and utilise milk products. And fish protein is another one that has you know, popped up from time to time, being used in various products and feeds as well. And again, same sort of scenario. So there are a lot of products that are used that really, if you look at the horse, the horse's anatomy and physiology is not mm-hmm. changed. And they have evolved to eat only one way. I think what's happened over the last 45-odd years is that the feed industry has certainly found ways of, I guess, utilising ingredients to, to get the specifications that they need to meet the horse's requirements. But unfortunately, the way that that's done is that, generally speaking, those ingredients being used really are not suitable to feed to a horse. So I think that's where it gets very confusing for people because marketing is a very powerful thing. And also, you know, who do mm, you believe? Mm. You know, who do you believe? It's, I think it's very difficult for horse owners because... Who do you actually have confidence in? Who do you believe who's telling you the truth? But the cold hard fact that the anatomy and physiology of the horse is the Mm. way it is, and it is a strict herbivore, and it has evolved to eat only Mm -hmm. one way. Mm -hmm. Yeah, yeah, definitely. Just tell us then, you know, because we're sort of, we're learning about what not to feed. Can you talk about an ideal diet for a horse? Yeah, I mean, I think very importantly, an ideal diet is one that you can adjust, or when I say adjust, as much as you are required to do and and of course we also have to remember that there's lots of varying factors that will you know have a bearing on what we will feed our horses so it can be the breed of the horse the age of the horse uh, where the horses work where the horse lives the type of pasture available etc i think the best way to feed a horse really is to feed something that they can actually probably mix their own or if there there is actually a couple of products in the market that 
certainly are what I would term as a natural diet that don't contain any byproducts or molasses or salt or anything else like that. But obviously a cup of two chaff, grains, preferably maybe oats, which a lot of people don't realise can actually be fed whole because oats are, the, in fact, the only grain that you can feed whole. What's nice about oats is they're actually quite low in starch, a bit lower in protein than your other, other grains. And also they're very readily digested by the horse, but they are lower in those probably pretty important factors. But the beautiful part, being able to feed them whole is great. I love oats mm-hmm. personally. You know, I will recommend that to someone who has a horse that does require more energy, for example. That's a good one to go. And barley is quite good too, you know, steam and roll barley, um, crushed, crimped, whatever. Probably semen roll is my preferable way to feed barley. So those two grains really are the only grains you probably would ever need with a performance mm-hmm. horse, to be honest. And then maybe just including your two chaffs. A good supplement, good daily supplement is very important. And then obviously your hay and pasture. So you can see it's quite simple. And as I said, there is a couple of companies, one in particular that does produce a feed that is an all-natural long stem fibre pellet which is really great and that can actually be you know sort of utilised in combination with a daily formula so the rest out there they're basically a processed pellet so they are powdered before they're produced and when we look at the horses again the digestive process the horse the first port of call or, or first point of contact is the mouth of course and when they take food into the mouth they have a unique grinding a scissor jaw action which is unique to the species how they chew and grind the feed and very importantly we have to make sure that what we are providing the horse is actually encouraging and stimulating that normal process and in turn that normal enzymatic action so they do start to produce that saliva uh, because if we don't do that then we we interrupt that process at the very beginning of that that whole long time consuming digest, digestive process till it reaches the hind gut for fermentation mm, mm. yeah yeah so to me, simplicity is the way to go. It's what we've always educated people to do. It's also very cost effective for people, but it's also very controllable too. And it, it's quite simple and it's extremely effective and highly beneficial for the horse. Yep, yep. Okay. Now, just going back to the additives, you know, sometimes we just talk about feeding electrolytes. What other additives? Okay. I mean, uh, am I able to talk about high form products or is that oh no i think you know i think if if that's relevant then then tell us what's in the high form products and tell us what but why you know why yeah sure sure look we know there's lots and lots of supplements in the Mm. marketplace and we know that there's lots and lots of feeds and we know that i mean i think we do lots and lots of equine profiling here and we we always go straight to what the client is feeding their horse because it's amazing how much you can gain from that, you know, and what kind of effect that has on the health of the horse just looking at what they're being fed. So that's the number one thing, as I said, you know, nutrition is sort of where it starts. And I think when you're looking at all these products in the marketplace, they do contain ingredients that, you know, they're industrial tech grade, feed grade. Uh, they're not fit for human consumption. My theory's always been the same, which is probably why I started high form back in 1990 was that I just believe that the horse's health and well-being is as important as ours because why shouldn't it be and if it's a dog same thing if it's a cat doesn't matter why would we be giving them a poorer form ingredient when we're not going to ever consume something like that ourselves I mean in actual fact it might make us quite unwell if we did 
So always from day one, I really wanted to go down that road of providing the animal with really high-quality human-grade oral-grade ingredients which are suitable for human consumption. So that's, to me, I think that's the number one criteria and that's certainly what we've adopted with Highform from the very first time we produced our very first product. So that's the first thing. And when you're looking at products in general, we are very different, A, because we do that, but B, because... We also use mineral tissue salts, which date back, they used that back to the 1800s based on a Dr. Wilhelm Schussler, or well, I suppose it wasn't a doctor, it was a Wilhelm Schussler is like a modern day naturopath. And mineral salts are what are found in the body ash. So they're very compatible to the animal and human body. And their use was, as I said, developed by Wilhelm Schussler. And then it was adopted by a company in the UK called Martin and Pleasance, who are also based here in Australia. There are 12 mineral salts, and they all have the most amazing properties about them. So we made the choice all those years ago to actually use these mineral salts rather than using a simple, poorly absorbed mineral, in which case you've got to feed a lot more because these mineral salts are mineral complexes. They're, they're almost bordering on being homeopathic. You just don't need very much of them. And they have, as I said, the most amazing properties. So we went that way with our minerals, and we actually use, for example, organic certified herb extracts rather than your tea bag cut powdered herbs, uh, which are all certified, they're all certified organic and they all come out of Germany and that's where the regulations are very, very strict. So our products are very unique. The dose rates are very low and what we've tried to do you know, is allow that adjustability so that when you put your feed together, you then obviously add the formula in to take up the slack. I always believe that, that vitamin mineral formulas are used to, they're like the supporting actor or mm-hmm. actress. So they support what you're feeding the horse rather than the other way around. So we use the formulas to top up those areas of deficiencies that might mm-hmm. be there. Okay. Yeah, so we started work last year with the Moulamine Grain Co-op who are based in Moulamine, but their head office is in Swan Hill. They're, I don't know if you know of them, but they're actually a, a cooperative of about 170 mm-hmm. farmers. And we worked with them uh, because I formulate all of the high form products and we worked together with them with a concept of actually creating a feed that could be used in conjunction with our high form daily supplements. And that's what we've done. And that's allowed us to have that adjustability and almost get close to it being pretty close to perfect, you know. So it's, it's quite amazing that we've been able to achieve that. And it's only been available for a very short time, but we've had the most wonderful feedback and I feel very humbled to be involved with such a wonderful company too. Good, good. And and as you say, you know, you talked earlier about how expensive or how we can save money and make feeding more economical, but I think you've pretty much gone through that, you know. Yeah, yeah. Yeah, yeah, I think so. Okay. Yeah, as I said, it's it's the whole thing about it is that, you know, I always think inside it was outside health as it Mm. does with human health. And very importantly, you know, I always try to get my horse owners, trainers, riders to be a bit more observant so that, you know, rather than just go out there and get their horse and brush them, put the saddle on and ride them, then unsaddle them and wash them and put them away, is to maybe occasionally, like I did just recently for an article I wrote, I actually observed my horse for a full day to see how long he actually spent, he spent grazing and how long he spent mm-hmm. resting. And it was interesting because he spent out of seven hours, two and a half hours resting and the rest of the time okay. grazing. So, you know, these sorts of things. Just And just really when you have more knowledge of your own horse, I think you also notice things that, that might just happen 
that maybe if you didn't have that knowledge that you might mm-hmm. miss something. And I think it also, I feel, gets a little bit closer to your horse too. It may, might sound silly, but I think they're, uh, you know, they work a lot off their emotions like we do and, and they also read us that way very often. Uh, you know, I think the never get on a horse when you're angry. <laughs> mm. Oh, definitely. Because <laughs> it could yeah. end, it could end yeah. in disaster. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. 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 If you're an equestrian coach or a horse riding instructor, or even if you aspire to be one, have a look at the free video series for horse riding instructors on the Horse Chats website. Go there now. Have a look. Horsechats.com. Now, we talked earlier because you were going to explain, you know, just in a nutshell, because people have heard you talking, you know, we're sort of coming towards the end. But if you were to explain to someone what an equine nutritional therapist does, how would you explain that as a career path? Um, okay, well, I mean, I think really, quite simply, we use nutrition as our medicine, our form of medicine. Mm-hmm. I think we we look obviously at holistically treating the horse. We look at you know treating the patient, not the disease. We treat the cause, not the symptoms. We treat them as individuals. I think very importantly that we try to ensure that our therapy comfortably conforms to to the principles I guess we believe in yep. and that and we've become involved in examining all, all aspects of the horse's life. Yep. And that way we can really assess them in a very broad way. And I think we can successfully provide the correct advice, nutrition advice. And outside that too, we we obviously go a step further and that is that beyond nutrition there's also recommendations of other practitioners like body workers, acupuncturists, massage therapists, etc. because very often that's something that is very complementary to what we do as well. You know, making sure you've got a really highly qualified equine dentist, uh, etc. really great vet, all these things, good farrier. They all are, I guess, a collection and at the end of the day nutrition tends to drive the whole machine, I think. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Yep. Yeah, no, that's good. That's good. All right. Now, have you got a book that you could uh, recommend to our listeners? Yeah, look, I do. I think one of the best books, and I, I often recommend this to, to people who ask me, is it's a book called Equine Clinical Nutrition, and it's by Lon D. Lewis, who's actually a veterinary nutritionist, which is very rare to find someone who has the most amazing knowledge in nutrition but is also a vet. He's an American-based vet. And I think it's a particularly good book. The reason why I like it is because it's a little bit more individualized but more up my alley because I think what does get lost both in human and animal nutrition is to lose that individuality that we are genetically different to the person next to us or the horse standing next to the the horse next to them, Mm -hmm. for example. So I think that individuality and that's certainly the way I have always approached nutrition with horses and I think it's the only way to do it. So, yeah, I think it's a very good book personally. Okay. What are you looking forward to now? Uh, I think for me, apart from, you know, getting back into riding once I get over my my nervousness from from my fall, um, I – I, for me, it's developing new products, definitely mm-hmm. working a bit more closely with Mulamine Grain and, and uh, you know, supporting our, our brand ambassador. Um, Harry's Choice is the, the feed, the brand of feed, and Harry Coffee is our brand ambassador who is a jockey from country Victoria. Could be someone that might be worth interviewing for you too. Most amazing young man. He has cystic fibrosis, mm-hmm. and uh, he... As you probably appreciate, jockeys have to be extraordinarily fit. But um, we are linked with cystic fibrosis, so every bag of feed sold 
50 cents is donated to cystic fibrosis. So we, we'd like to sort of do a bit more work with cystic fibrosis in Victoria and, you know, in our small way, try to, to help find a cure. Uh, that would be great. Uh, obviously doing more clinical studies. This year we have a fabulous vet who's heading up our trials. Uh, it's taken four years to get to this point. There's a lot of work involved in, in setting this up. And we are registered for research and development in Australia, so have been for, as I said, four years. All right. Can you sum up your philosophy now, just equine nutrition, just something that people can take away with, might just take a couple of sentences to sum it up? I guess look, the, where we come from, we're sort of looking more at the philosophy of natural therapy because natural therapy encumbers so many things. But it's something that we really hold dearly and getting the nutrition correct is so important because it impacts on everything in the body. I think that's probably the most important thing that, that I would, I guess I would say. Mm-hmm. Yeah, I think so. You know, just that there's, if we can try to, to get the nutrition side correct, then we are going to have less problems with our horse and that means less visits from the vet and all sorts of things. Complaints though from various because their feet are growing too quickly, but that, that's a good thing. Yeah, yeah, I think yeah. so. I think because yeah. we sort of work under that umbrella of the philosophy of natural therapy in general. Okay. All right. No, that's good. That's good. Now, Antoinette, how can people contact you? Yeah. The best telephone number is 039775-6422. Yep. And we have a 1300 number, which is 1300-HIFORM, H-I-F-O-R-M. And then the best email is ENQ, which is short for inquiry. Mm-hmm. at highform, H-I-F-O-R-M dot com dot A-U. Okay, brilliant. The other thing is too that those details will be available just in case people don't have a pen on them, can't, can't take those details straight away. They'll be on horsechats.com slash Antoinette Foster or else just go to horsechats.com and search for Antoinette and you'll find the contact details. Okay, Antoinette, thank you for talking to us today. You've brought in knowledge from a different area again, just something that's come in. I think, you know, the more the more knowledge we can get, you know, I mean, I'm, I have a training organisation and, and my passion is education. So, you know, I think all the knowledge that you're bringing in is, um, it's just all knowledge. And I think the more we find out about horses, how to care for them, how to look after them, you know, talking about ideal diets, but also making them economical. I think that's been very beneficial, though. So, uh, yeah, thank you. Oh, no, thank you so much for having me. I really appreciate it. Okay, bye. Thank you. Bye-bye. If you've enjoyed this chat, then please comment, rate and subscribe. If you'd like any changes or recommendations for guests, then please contact us through horsechats.com. And while you're online, have a look at the government-accredited courses at internationalhorsecollege.com. Registered Training Organisation 31352. Remember that our comments and instructions are general in nature and do not take into consideration your individual horses or your individual ability and circumstances. If you enjoyed this podcast, then please leave your comment below.